If you're from Knoxville, you know that at this time of year, the area to avoid if you're driving, if it's possible, is anywhere near Westtown Mall. You guys know that? And we have to go to, like, ball games and everything. It seems like the route we take is always going to be Morrell or Kingston Pike or somewhere along there. I'm driving by there a few days ago, and it just gets congested right there. I don't know why, that little area, but I'm on Kingston Pike. I'm headed west and just trying to get, you know, past that that one little area. There's a guy, he's kind of in front of me. He's in this white truck, and if you have a white truck, it may have been you, and if you want to see me after the service, that's fine, and we can work this out. Uh, My heart is just full of forgiveness towards you, but this guy, you could tell he was trying to outguess the situation, you know, you, you ever do that where you try to pick the, what? because whatever lane I pick, whether it's the deli, whether it's on the highway, whatever, whatever I get, if you want to go slow, just get behind Dan, because that line is immediately going to go slow right there. So I'm, I'm trying to figure that out, but I've committed. I have chosen my lane. I'm going to stay in that lane. So I'm in my lane. Well, this guy, he's not so sure. It's kind of like when you're driving down the King's Pike about 5 to 6 o'clock in the evening. You want to stay in the right-hand lane if you're going west because left-hand lane, there's no turning lanes. Knoxville doesn't believe in turning lanes. It's a, a, the thing that we've inherited from our forefathers. And so there's no turning lanes except at Cherokee. So it, the chances are somebody's going to want to go left at Scenic. Some selfish person is going to want to go left. So what happens is you're going to, you're going to be stopped up and the light's going to change. It's, there's two lights there. Um, there's, about, uh, there's 20 lights there, but there's two key lights and you're going to get stuck. So I'm just telling you as a friend, as your pastor, get in the right-hand lane. And just go ahead and commit to that. Yes, the line is a little longer and you think, yeah, this line's longer. And I see that. I, I see You can see it almost as if you were looking at somebody's face when you're behind them. And they're, they're kind of like, should I? I don't know. This one's shorter, but somebody's going to turn left. I'm gonna, and, and they can't decide. And this guy was kind of like that. Right there, kind of as you go in front of the mall at Morrell, he can't decide. And so what he's doing is he gets in this lane, and then you can tell that in this moment of indecision, he's like, no, I'm going to get over here. And he gets over and he just keeps, and then he gets in my lane. And then finally, no kidding, true story in the pulpit, true story. He straddles the lanes. No kidding. He's like right, so that the little white lane is right in the middle of his truck. So it's like, I will decide. And I'm like, dude, you got you to gotta, you gotta make a choice. You are a licensed driver, and you're going down. This is really a highway in the state of Tennessee. And finally, he pulls over in to, to my lane, and then the last minute, he makes another decision. And you know what I want to tell him is, hey, stay in your lane. You know, that, that's kind of become like a phrase, a little cliche. Stay, get in your lane, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. There are times... In my life, I'm just going to be transparent with you. I felt that way about God. I'm like, Lord, I really want you in my life. I want to live for you. I want to be in Christ. However, I kind of need for you to stay in your lane. Don't get in my lane. You see, most of us, when we, you know, we're children or we're teenagers or some point, maybe as an adult, 
you know, I was pretty much an adult. I had one, I was in my last teen year, you know, when, when I, I figured out, God, I want you to come into my spirit. And I gave Holy Spirit like I needed to, this permission, come into my life. And what I meant was come into my spirit, wake that part of me up so that I have assurance and I have salvation and, and I have forgiveness and I have all of that. But what I wanted to do was to lock him into just my spirit. And what God wanted was all of me. He wanted in my soul. He wanted in my body. He wanted to be the Lord of all of me. And inhabit me completely. But how many of us say, Lord, you can come in as long as you stay in your lane. I'm inviting you into my spirit, but I'm not giving you authority over everything because I know what you'll do. He's kind of invasive like that. But he wants to be the Lord of every part of who you are. And I know there's a hesitancy. I know there's kind of a, almost a fear sometimes. Today, I want to talk about somebody who... I've been fascinated with for a long time, for years, and I've talked about this individual before, but it's, it's, it's a person in Scripture that is just this beautiful thing where they just said, God, you don't, have, you don't have a lane. You go anywhere you want. I'm giving my complete self to you, expecting you to fill me in a, in a, in a bigger way than I ever dreamed. I'm not giving you just my religious life. I'm not just giving you Sunday morning. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you myself, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even one of the most most amazing stories of somebody giving themselves to God physically. So here's the big idea of what we're going to talk about today. Because he saw Mary's willing heart, God used her carry out a special plan. And here's the application of that big idea. We all have different assignments. Everybody's got something. You know, God's going to call you. He's going to light you on fire. He's going to give you passion for something. That's going to just be from his heart to your heart. And he has already equipped you for whatever it is he's called you to. Now, I think most of us kind of, we hear that, we sort of get it. I didn't believe it. You know, I, I wasn't sure. I thought, Lord, I don't know, this is bigger than me. And that's, and that's probably, there's something healthy in that. I get it. Uh, but I just want you to see that everything you need from the Lord, He has already put in you. He has already, through Holy Spirit, He's equipped you, and it's there. So it's not so much, I mentioned this last Wednesday night, it's not so much that, that, you know, I'm praying anymore, oh, God, give me patience. You ever pray that? That's like, a, you know, and uh, God, give me this, give me this. And he's like, Dan, I already did. I did that years ago. Would you like for me to unleash that? Would you like for me to reveal that and, and, and just let that out and flow in and through you? And I go, oh, okay, I get it. And I know it sounds the same and it sounds really similar, but there's a difference. And so, God, I think I want you to, to, to be released in and through my life the way you've always longed for. And it's almost as if the Lord says, oh, yeah, okay, now you're available. Now I'm going to leak out of your spirit into your soul and even affect you physically. And that's what happened in today's story. And we've all got different stories, right? As many of us are in this room, we've all got a different perspective. We've all got different histories and 
thoughts and the way we process things and how we understand it. We've got different backgrounds. There's different strengths and different growth areas. Some things that may be just easy for me, you struggle with, and then vice versa. Things I think, man, how do you get that so easily? And it just comes, it's just difficult for me. You know what? God's going to use each of us um, and, and all of those things specifically to reach the world in a unique way. You have this open door uh, in places that nobody else does and in other people's lives and in their hearts. And you, you can be the influence uh, like nobody else can into some very specific people. Well, God used this young lady, Mary. And I know you've probably heard a lot about her. Um, I was telling Josh, our tech guy, this morning, I said, you know, I've been here as of last weekend, 17 years, uh, preaching in this, this phase of ministry and preaching ministry. And I typically do a Christmas series, and it's going to be two to four, um, you know, weeks. So, as you can imagine, I've preached more about Christmas than any other single topic, you know, and, I, and that's just kind of because it is. And there's still so much. And because after a few years in, I thought, well, that's pretty it. Lord, that's the story. What else? What else? And then he just began to show me different things uh, about it and, and all these little nuances and began to explore that. And I realized, wow, Lord, that's just one thing, Christmas. And then there's all these other things. I'll never scratch the surface of all that God uh, has. Um, Ephesians 2, um, 8 to 10 is, is pretty familiar scripture for a lot of us, but I just want to remind you this because it's your story and how God is weaving himself into that and making it his story. It says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the things he planned for us long ago. He can do all the things he longs to do in you. God knew your story long before it was even written, long before you knew it and became more aware of yourself and the things around you. And he already has plans to use you and even the details of your story for his glory. You know, there are big components of my life or my story, and I think, well, God, I can see how you might could use that. And then I kind of shuffle all these details over to the side like as if they were unredeemed. And God says, no, you know what? I, I'm going to handpick that. I choose that because I can use this. I think, Lord, even these failures, the big failures and the small things. And he goes, yeah, it, it actually specifically those things because I've redeemed them. I have, I have made those even that anew. So Mary, she was the least likely candidate uh, to do something important in the eyes of anybody in the world where she lived in. I mean, if you were going to take a poll and you say, you know, all those prophecies and everything in the Old Testament written about Messiah and the people, guess who's going to be the key figure in all of this? And you just kind of took a village, maybe with as many people as there are of those, of those of us in this room, and said, all right, pick who you think it's going to be. I'm looking around the room. And, you know, Mary would have been sitting there overlooked. 
Okay, that's who God picked. Here's some things going against her. In that culture, in that historical period of time, in that place, first of all, most obvious, she's a woman. All right? And Jesus did so much in the lives of women. The, the person that he chooses out of history to honor and bless as much or more than anyone else was a woman. And then he raises the status of women all throughout his ministry. And you're going to see that if you read scripture, you know, with your eyes open, you're going to see that again and again. But at this time, the world where she lived, that was not a good thing. She was not educated. She was not specifically trained, we don't know, for anything. And one of the reasons she's not really trained yet is because she's just a young teenage girl. She's a middle schooler or maybe high schooler. That would have been... Uh, the limits and the boundaries. So I'm looking at you guys because the excuse you may go to is, hey, I'm in the ninth grade. You know, what's God going to do with me right now? I'm in 10th grade. I'm in eighth grade. Listen, the Lord can use this season of your life in such a powerful way. I, I wasted, I lost my teenage years. And that's one of my biggest regrets. This is a time when uh, he can just explode in and through your life. So don't do the thing. You see a lot of adults, we'd say, oh, I can't wait till... I graduate high school. I can't wait till I graduate college. I can't wait till I get married. I can't wait till we have a baby. Oh, I can't wait till we have grandchildren. I can't wait till I retire. I can't wait till I die. You can wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. You know, and that's what we do, though. We just kind of rush right through life, always looking at the next season, always looking at the next thing. This is your time. This is your time. This is your time right now. So God knew this story. He knew um, all these attributes. And, and I think Mary could have so easy, legitimately, reasonably, I, I, wouldn't say, I would have nothing to say to Mary if she said, you know what, I, I can't do this. Seriously, look at me. I, I'm, not the, I'm not the one. I am disqualified. And maybe it was even the way she thought about herself that would have disqualified her. I'm not. Could you, you know, I, I'm so embarrassed. Could you just pick somebody else? Because... I, I, I don't think you're going to use me in a big way. I'll be faithful. You know I love you, Lord. You know I'll volunteer over here, or I'll give this much, or I'll do that. And we start looking at all the things we can do, and all the response. And he says, that's not what I want. I'm not asking you. I'm just, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. It'd be easy for Mary to see herself in this situation through the, the lens of, of her identity. And probably what she had been told, what the inner voice had told her, and what the outer voices had told her too. And I think that is the lens that most people use. Probably uh, the degree that you're going to let God get out of his lane and into yours or into your life. And he's going to fill up more uh, about you than, than just come in and save you. You know, uh, is, is how you identify yourself as, as his. And not so much what you've heard ever since you were a little girl. Er, er, what you heard since you were a young man. You think, well, I know that's who I am. And that's who, because it, it's, it's what you're, you, you, you listen to. And that voice just kind of digs a groove into your soul. And you accept that. Henry Nguyen listed five lies of identity. And I added one more. That's just like me, and it just, I'm going to one-up some, you know, I got. Okay, so uh, here, here's five. I see myself. This is how you see yourself. I am what I have. I am what I do. 
I am what other people think about me. I am nothing more than my worst moment. Some of you are stuck right there. I'm nothing less than my best moment. And then I added, I am what I feel like I am. Well, I feel like, you know, I'm just, and I think, wow, that's a lie that a lot of us believe because we're letting feelings lead the parade. We're letting feelings be the dictator and, you know, the, the place where we go to, to, well, I don't feel like I, that, you know, and, and we let feelings kind of um, carry the show. And your feelings going to lie to you. Your feelings going to lie. They don't match up with truth so often. Um, and, and God saw something special inside Mary. He saw her heart. And we don't know, and I don't want to superimpose something onto her, and I get to heaven one day, and she goes, I heard that message, and you're talking about me. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know what I was thinking or how my, my identity was or how I felt. And I go, no, but, you know, I needed another Christmas message, and I wanted to talk about identity. So I'm sorry, Mary, but I just sort of inserted that in. But I got an idea that she really did have all these ways that she saw herself, just like all these other characters you see in Scripture. And some of them do speak out loud like, uh, I'm not really good at that. Could you get, how about my brother? He is, he's the guy, you know. And we, we get these things that flow out of our esteem or a hundred other, our history, all of that. But God knew the truth. God sees you accurately. So you've got to trust him more than you trust yourself. Whatever lie you've been Believing whatever lie other people have told you about you, whatever you've whispered to yourself, or you've, or you've allowed the enemy to say. So Mary has this incredible response of faith. I just I want to be Mary. Yeah, I want to be like this. I just want to go, yes. So often I'm the other, I'm like Moses, or I'm like, you know, I'm like these other guys who are going like, you know what, I would really love to do that, however... And I start telling God stuff he doesn't know about me or about the circumstances, you know. God, I really don't have any money. I really don't have this. I'm not that. I'm not gifted. And that, that's really not my, you know. Uh, and God's like, are you done? Mary didn't do any of that. In verse 38 of Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at some more of this scripture in just a second. But she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. Lord, Whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm, what, what do I, what's next? What do I do next? I don't have to do anything. You've already done it. Okay. Well, uh, then I'm in. I'm, 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 I'm with you. Isn't that beautiful? Wouldn't you just love to have that just immediate reflexive action response with the Lord? I think that shows the strength of her character and this amazing confidence that she had in God. She was just so rock solid in, in that. We don't have to be, you know, just, oh, wow, that guy's so awesome at, at preaching or in missions or evangelism or, you know, whatever it is. And we think, well, I'm not really good at any of those things. So I don't think God's going to use my life like that. I think you're going to be surprised. We just have to live in his grace. We just sang about it. You know, and until a moment ago, you know, with the song we did, um, Go Tell It on the Mountain, I just really looking at those words and thought, wow, that's really good. <laughs> it's just this song about grace, and we live in the mountains. And anyway, okay, so I thought that was really kind of cool. 
Uh, but we, we, we live in, in his grace, in this valley of his grace. And if we're just to say, God, I'm willing to be uncomfortable. I'm willing for you to lead me on paths I didn't necessarily think I'd be walking on. And just to talk about the difference that Jesus has made in my life. And that's really, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that's pretty much the main requirement. It's just, are you willing for me to get out of my lane and in your lane and all of you? And would you talk about that? That's all? Yeah, that's pretty much all I'm going to ask you to do. That's, that's a big thing. Okay. And, and here's where I'm you know, going to land with that idea, that thought, is that just sharing your story can be so life-changing for another person. But oftentimes, we kind of downplay our story, and we think, well, I need to embellish it, or I wish I had a different story. And maybe you should just make up another story. <laughs> just make up one. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Your story's fine. You've got a cool story. You've just, just like you are, and just whatever it is you've walked through. Because here's what God's going to do. He's going to bring other people into your lane. He's going to bring... Um, people along that need to hear what you've got to say. That's been amazing to me in my life because I think, I'm just this kid. I'm just this guy from Fraser. You know, I'm just, here's my life, and it's ordinary in some ways, and there's nothing spectacular, and, and, and God's like, oh, this is perfect because I've got this other guy over here, and he doesn't believe, and his heart's wounded, and he's really, really hesitant about embracing this love I have for him. But if he could hear your story... I think that might just give him a little insider courage. That's happened again and again and again. And I don't have a real, as the world would think, a special kind of story. You know, it's just, just a guy. So would you be willing to just consider that? Especially, guys, especially during Christmas. Because that's when everybody's hearts are a little more vulnerable and open. And they're going to give you some grace. They're going to give you room. Because they know, you know, maybe they think you're religious. Or at the office party, they know you're the one who goes to church on Sunday or whatever. So they're probably going to go, yeah, it's Christmas. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to their story. And it's in those moments that God's just going to sneak right into people's lives in, in these, these ways where it's going to come back to them. Um, and an effective testimony is really simple. I was so intimidated by this. Uh, because I thought people are going to ask me questions I can't answer. And they did. You know, Christmas, we used to go and we'd visit family and friends. And I was like one of the you know, few Christians. In there. And there was always somebody who would think, well, let me ask you something. And I'd go, oh, no, oh, no, here it comes. And it would. It'd be, so if Jesus is coming back and this, and I'm gonna go, oh, my mind's starting to race, think, Oh, why don't I read more in the book of the Revelation? I don't know the answer to this question, and I'm not even sure how I think about it. You know what? That's okay. Just chill, because you really are not responsible for that part. You even have permission to say, Whoa, you know what? I'm going to study that some more because I'm not sure. Now, back to my story, and just keep making it personal, because everybody's going to be abstract. Everybody's going to say, well, in the, in the beginning, do you believe this about this? And they're going to go, yeah, you know what? You're keeping this at arm's length. That's just a way uh, that people do to, to kind of keep things at a distance from themselves. All you've got to do is this. Here's three, three components. Easy peasy, all right? What was my life like before I encountered Jesus? 
What was it like? What did it look like when Jesus transformed my life? And just go there. Just go there in your memory and your imagination and just talk about it. Whether you were 8 years old or you were 18 years old or 38 years old, just let yourself tell that story. And then how is Jesus continuing to transform my life as he opens my mind and my heart more and more and, and, and more of him just is, is just coming out, just, just gushing into all these other parts of my life. What is that like? That's really all you got to do. Just tell that. You can do it in three minutes and five minutes. You can do it in 30 minutes. You can just take a long time. Here's the deal. When the world sees ordinary but authentic people having an encounter with, with God, that starts looking like the gospel. You know, and that was so compelling to me because it was his love and his kindness that led me to repentance. It was just grace. I wasn't particularly scared of God. I wasn't, I literally didn't think about the consequences of my actions and behaviors. I, I wasn't thinking, oh, he's going to punish me by this point. I just kind of, just kind of put that over here. And, and I, but it was his kindness. I just couldn't resist that anymore. He just kept wooing me and just kept, kept loving me. And, and I listened to other people's stories and I saw how real it was for them. And when you look at these stories of people in Scripture, all the men and women of the Bible were, were doing this. They were walking in relationship with God. It was them. It was what they wrote, sure, and the circumstances they were in, yeah, but it was really them. Whether it's Moses in the burning bush going all the way back or uh, Saul on his way to Damascus, uh, they all had these personal encounters with God, and it just changed them. Some were very religious, and they left that. Some were very, what we would think of sinful, you know, whatever kind of sin, you know, yours is pretty or ugly, you know. Uh, and they left, they abandoned that for Jesus. And these encounters displayed God's grace and his love that just worked through them. And they were remarkably different people. That's the power of our stories. That's the power of your story, your story that you have. So one of the things that I love about Mary is that she has just, she's just such an incredible young woman in the way that she accepts God's intrusion into her young life. Let's read this. This is in Luke chapter 2, um, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. To a virgin named Mary. Now, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I just always think, Whoa, you know, an angel just shows up. What is the first thing an angel is supposed to say? The angel's probably thinking about that. Well, how do I approach this? You know, Hey, what's up, Mary? You know, and that was kind of a first century greetings. Huh? I mean, that would kind of scare you like somebody walking in suddenly. Greetings. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I interrupt myself. Um, and now I've lost my flight. Greetings, favored woman. <laughs> okay, you're not getting this. Okay. And I know her heart just jumps and he says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. 
I'd love to hear that. I mean, if an angel comes to me, that's one of the first things I'd like for him to say is, hey, I know you've had a lot of doubts and questions, and sometimes you wonder, and you did this, and you're not so sure anymore, but let me just tell you right up front, he's with you. He's with you. Verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. Stop being scared, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, uh, how can this happen? <laughs> I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That was a very vague, polite, <laughs> I think, discreet way to say this. So the baby, <laughs> the baby, will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Oh, Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Wow. She could have used a lot of legitimate, reasonable excuses, but she didn't. She simply opened her mind and her heart to God's opinion about her and let him do what he wanted to do next. Listen, you open your mind and the heart will always follow. Opened your mind. Paul said in Romans 12, you know, it's, it's from the renewing of your mind that your transformation is going to come. And that transformation is often... You know, it, it kind of makes this, this, this loop back to your emotions and to your willingness and to your soul where you go, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to do uh, whatever you want to do next. So what God does next is totally disrupts, interrupts Mary's plans. All of her plans. I mean, after, think of it, about nine months before the first Christmas, God had intervened. And he just radically altered Mary's future. I mean, she's planning on getting married to this guy she really likes, Joey. Uh, he's a descendant of King David. There's a little bit of swag to that. And he made his living working in Nazareth. We think he probably worked with wood. He was a carpenter. And he, didn't, he, didn't, he framed up windows and doors and things in people's houses. He wasn't ever going to be rich, but he could make a comfortable living. He was such a nice guy. I mean, I, I just—I've had this idea of Joseph, and, and and I think as Scripture goes on, you know, it shows that you know he's he's going to really provide for her a nice life. And so she's daydreamed about this, and she's thought about it, and she's talked with her girlfriends, and she's made all these plans. I'm going to get married, and we're going to have children, and we're going to raise a family, and and it's just—it's a really good plan. It's a solid plan. But then God came along, and He changed everything. It's okay if he does that. Don't, don't stop because you think he might do that. He may not, but he might. 
Matthew tells us that when Joseph found out that this sweet girl that he had this crush on, he was actually just madly in love with her, and he, 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 he wants to marry her, and he's planning on this too. He's thinking about it, and he's excited about it, and he finds out she's pregnant. Ah. Matthew one nineteen says that he decided to break the engagement quietly. That tells me so much about Joseph. I mean, we see here, he's such a great guy. Joseph... He, because he wanted to break off the engagement very quietly so that Mary wouldn't be humiliated. I mean, if you found out that the person you're engaged to is about to have a baby and that baby's not yours, but you still want to honor and bless her and say, you know what, I'm still, even in spite of all this, I'm not going to throw you up out there and, and just I'm, I'm throw you under the chariot. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I, I, I want to do this real quietly. But then an angel from heaven convinces Joseph that it's okay because Mary's story is genuine. She's telling the truth. Everything she said is accurate. And you should go on through this marriage. And Joseph is just as willing. He's just as full to the Lord. And he says, I, I, which would be harder, you know, to be Mary or to be Joseph? And Okay. Lord, if you're in this, I'm all about it. What do you mean to do next? I love his heart, too. So you're probably familiar with how the story unfolded. I didn't grow up in church, but I knew the Christmas story. Uh, It's the story of the first Christmas. And in the midst of everything that's happening, here's one of my favorite verses, maybe in all the New Testament. And I actually translated this from the original Greek this this week so that I could get it as right as as I could because I'm the standard of everything that's right. Now, uh, in fact, I'm a terrible translator, but I just wanted to experience that for myself and just work it through word by word. And it's a sneaky way to kind of slip into the message that that I've studied Greek because I know how impressed you're going to be now. So anyway, I'm working through this story during my quiet times, and, and here's this verse. Here's the way the New American Standard puts it. But Mary or Miriam, as she would have heard her name, uh, treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The New Living Translation puts it like this, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So many exciting things are happening, and it's in this rapid-fire fashion, and it's just totally off the chart. I mean, all these wedding showers and everything she's got planned and everything that's coming up, all of a sudden it's like, well, we're going to approach this in a completely different way. I mean, it's just everything's happening so fast. And Mary's collecting all that. I mean, she's thinking about, okay, all right, let let me get that. Let, Let me get that. Have you ever been emotionally at a place that's spurred by, you know, what you've thought about? You ever heard somebody say, the more I thought about it, the matter I got. Or you ever heard somebody say, you know what, the more I thought about that, the funnier it got. And I just started laughing to myself. I was just in a room by all alone. I just started laughing. The more I thought about it, well, the more Mary thinks about this, the more she just leans into it emotionally. And it just and continues. She stores all these things up. I got to thinking, what is it she's storing up? Well, this is a lot of things. What the angel had told Joseph. Oh, what Gabriel had told her. Mm. What her experience had been upon arriving in Bethlehem. Mm. 
what the shepherds had reported. All those Old Testament prophecies that she grew up going to vacation Bible school in the synagogue and learning all of these things. And she goes, oh, wait a minute. You see what she's doing and what the word actually means is to compare things and put them in order. Put them in their places. A lot of us have had preschoolers and you've worked with them. And you know, that's what a lot of those first simple games are. You, you know the one that has, it's kind of like a rocking thing. And there's this, this wooden stick that comes up. And then there's these circles with different colors, these plastic rings. And, and the children, the idea is to put them on from largest to small. And they're all different colors. That's a pretty good word picture of what Mary's doing. With all these events, she's putting them in order. She's arranging everything. And as she does it, she has this aha moment. And she gets it. Because the heart always follows the mind. We don't know a lot about Mary, about her spiritual formation. But we get, we get some of it. You know, in John 2, 5 and in Acts 1, 14, we know she was a worshiper. We know that she followed God. We know that she appears, you know, all throughout uh, these events. And she's actively involved in the early church, in the big settings, as well as in the, the smaller settings. Mary is just like us. She has some missteps along the way. She wasn't sinless. And I don't know what your heritage is or what you come from, but she just wasn't. She was just a girl. She was just a person like us. But she was a godly woman. And she experienced, she has this unique place of experiencing the entire story. The whole story of Jesus from the moment he was born. She was there. All the way through beyond his earthly life. Acts 1 and Acts 2 tells us that Mary was there at Pentecost. She was one of the ones filled, you know, with the Holy Spirit, flooded in this amazing event. We were having a conversation the other day, and people were saying, okay, if you could go back in time, and go back to one historical event, where would you go? We're thinking about that. And then I thought about, oh, Pentecost. Oh, yeah, I want to see that. Everybody speaking Spanish and Romanian and English and Inuit. And, you know, that's an Eskimo language. And they're just, everybody's just talking. And all, it's just, just, and Mary's one of them. Mary was there. I mean, who, who else? I mean, could she have not written an, an, a, 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 what an autobiography she could have done? So... Jesus is born, and she's thinking about this, and she's putting it together. Now, 12 years later, you remember the whole temple incident? And there's Mary, and there's, there's Jesus, and he gets he, not really lost, but he comes back. And he goes, didn't you know where I'd be? I'm right here in my father's house. And she goes, what? And again, for the second time in history, it says Mary ponders that in her heart. Exact same verb. Same verb used in the New Testament. It says she starts thinking about the guy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She sees what's going on. Mary was there. She experienced the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit sweep over his people and give birth to the church. She had been there at the cross. She saw Jesus die on the cross. She was there for the resurrection. She was there for the church. 
And, and all of that because three decades before, when she was just a teenager, she was willing to allow God to interrupt all her plans to change everything about her life and to be used in his plan for redeeming the human race. Thank you, Mary. I think the Lord delights. He just delights in using ordinary, everyday folks. People just like you and me. Exactly like you and me. To do extraordinary things. Let me ask you a personal question. What has been your go-to excuse? The reason that always works for you of why you can shrug your shoulders and not allow Holy Spirit to move all the way in you like He longs to do. Not just in your spirit, not just remember that language, I need to ask Jesus to come into your heart. And Jesus is like, yeah, and I want also... <laughs> I want all of the rest of you. I want your mind, your will, your emotion. I, I want to be, I want your body. That's going to be my temple. I'm going to live in there with you. I'm, what's your go-to excuse for not allowing him to do that in you, but also through you? I had lots of them. And, my, and some of them were pretty good. Is it the way you see yourself? Even though you're a follower of Jesus, do you still see yourself through those lies that you heard when you were a kid or that you've told yourself over and again so many times that now you believe it, and, but it's a lie? Is it a reluctance to believe that he really wants to use your story to touch other people? Well, he does. Just you being you. Doesn't that just free you up? I mean, doesn't that just, that just gives me so much more confidence in him. And it's the same thing Mary had. She didn't bring a lot to the table, just a willingness to say, okay, you can use my body, my mind, my soul, my heart, all of me. I just, whatever, what do you want to do next? I'm just available. That's all. Maybe, like Mary Today would be a really good day to just step into that for the very first time. Without reservation, without holding back. It takes faith. I know it's a little scary. Uh, the first time, you know, it's just like this spiritual cliff. And I just felt like, oh, well, and what my friends were going to think. And they did. They, they thought weird things about me and they made fun and all of that. Um, so, yeah, some of that was real, but a lot of the stuff I was afraid of never happened. You know, 90% of the stuff you're so scared of, it never happens. Uh, uh, and I just leapt off into this, this spiritual you know, new climate, new place. Maybe today's that day for you. Say, you know what? I'm in. Lord, I believe this. And I need you. I'm just making a mess of things. My, my way doesn't seem, my best ideas aren't really working. Or maybe you said, Dan, I made that affirmation a long time ago, but I, 
but I always seem to hold something back. There's always this secret room, you know, this compartment, this locked door. There's always this, this place in me, and I'm not going to release him. He just wants you to exchange your whole life for his and allow him to be who he wants to be through you. Today would be a good day to say, Lord, I, I'm opening up all of me to all of you. And I want you to just be released where I've kept you. I just want you to be released in me in all the, the, the exciting ways and different directions you're going to spin yourself off into my life. Um, here's what Mary said. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. So let it be to me according to your word. God, whatever you want to do next. What a Christmas it would be. What a life it would be if you let him interrupt all your plans and take the next step forward with him. Would you stand? Let's sing about that. Let's ponder that in our hearts. Let's treasure that. And just continue moving forward in Jesus.